You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, makers of PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of One Step Off The Grid and Renew Economy and joining me as usual is Fair Income Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. How are you, Nigel? I'm, I've got the T-shirt, you know. I've got the Fair Dinkum T-shirt You've on You've got the today. Fair Dinkum T-shirt? Is, is yeah. that the official Fair Dinkum T-shirt? Yeah, it is. Is that a rogue no, one? No, no, no. It's the official one. I jumped online and saw one the other day and went, oh, have me one of them. So you're, 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 um, you're wearing a Fair Dinkum T-shirt, but you're not wearing a Solar Insiders T-shirt? Not today. Uh, the demand for Solar Insiders T-shirts has been extraordinary, so um, I'm saving them for our valued listeners. Absolutely, yes, and, and it's true. There's been such a rush on there, so there's only about a thousand left. Um, so if you do, <laughs> if you do, if you do want a Solar Insiders T-shirt, then It'll I suggest you hurry because be Christmas is only five weeks away. That's right. <laughs> do you know my daughter came to visit the other day and I said I've got a gift for you, and I gave her a T-shirt, and she just looked at me, and my whole family looked at me and went, "Dad, that's just weird. Don't do that." Well, we've got we've got we've got we've got a, we got a, we got a, uh, yeah, a tradition of stockings in in our sort of family and extended family. So um, mm-hmm. I have um, I think I've already filled That's half the stocking. Stockings, good, <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. World, world, uh, world domination and profit any minute now for us. Well, look. Speaking of world domination and, and, and profit, um, interesting to see uh, more news about um, solar and um, storage. Look, pretty interesting. One thing I didn't actually sort of flag with you before we talked, but I must talk about this was just mm. the the third of the um, annual surveys that came out um, today. This is from Bloomberg NEF. This is now called. This follows Lazard and it follows the in, in International Energy Agency's World Energy Outlook. And basically saying that wind and solar are killing it, and um, and wind, solar, and storage are also killing it um, on peaking power plants. So, by far the cheapest form of bulk generation uh, in the world is unsubsidised, unsubsidised wind and solar. It now mm-hmm. beats coal in the key markets of China and India. In India, it beats it to the extent of that it's half the price, and this has just basically happened over the last six months. Wow. And um, and solar and storage is by far the cheapest form of peaking generation. So um, we're here. Well, We've arrived. Well, Charles. well, we're just about. But they are numbers. They are numbers, which my headline tomorrow will read. Um, <laughs> they are numbers that um, the conservatives just don't want to believe. Um, no. In the same way, they don't want to believe climate science and God knows what else. And um, God, there was something else. There was something else that was produced last week. Oh no, this week. Um, oh, the, the flat Earth. What, 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 what grows? What grows on the flat Earth? Uh, is this like a limit? This is like a riddle. This is like a riddle. It's it's salt bush if you think about it. And okay. so the Salt Bush Society a forum has now been created of a new. It's a new forum for climate deniers. It's got the former head of um, BHP. It's got the former head of WMC, who all must be horrified that all these Woodsides and Rios and uh, BHPs are now urging a carbon price. Calling for a carbon price. That's right. That's right. So these guys have come out. They've revolted. 
They've revolted and joined up with some other famous climate deniers, called themselves the Saltbush Society, which obviously fits in with their sort of flat earth view of the world, and um, are now lobbying and presumably getting lots of space in the Australian and other Murdoch media. So I'll just sort of throw that in. Gosh. Yeah, anyway. I've left you speechless. There was, there was that guy. Yeah, it has. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> when I think of flat earthers, I keep thinking of that guy with the steam-powered rocket that shot himself into, well, tried to shoot himself into the atmosphere six months or so back because he was going to get photos of the earth being flat but his rocket wouldn't go so he just kept landing in the salt bush he kept landing in the salt bush there you go (laughs) well he could have waited till now and he could have actually sort of got picked up by elon musk's giant catcher's mitt which is this boat with this sort of massive sort of almost like a baseball mitt which is actually going to try and catch the fairings from the the SpaceX rocket rocket. So, are you moment, making this up? No, now? I'm not making just... this up. No, I'm not making this up. I'm, I'm, I'm not technical enough to be able to make this sort of stuff up. <laughs> he's got so a boat is... with a giant catcher's mitt now. He's got a giant catcher's mitt. So we've seen the rockets take off and they land. I mean, yep. no one ever thought of they it. Land re- boat, they land on a boat. They land on a boat. They, they yeah. just reverse down in slow motion, as though they're sort of, um, sort of, you know, just a complete reverse of taking off, and they're just gently on a twenty by twenty meter thing in the middle of the ocean. It's just quite extraordinary. Now, the fairings that come off the rocket as it's sort of, you know, going through these different stages, they're a little bit less controllable. So now he's got this boat running around with the big catches mitt trying to catch them. And they've just been trying. They've had a, um, a helicopter going up with some spare fairings, dropping them from ten thousand meters, and saying, "Catch, catch." <laughs> There is no end. There is no end to that man's creative genius. Look, I've got to say, if nothing else, if nothing else, creative genius. Look, it just goes to show, Nigel, that believe it or not, there is actually a world out there beyond solar. I mean, it's hard to believe, but um, there is. When you're running around, when you're running around the oceans with the catchers catching fairings, I just reckon that's. um, I know. That's that's pretty good. How do you top that? Well, let's get onto the subject at hand. Um, Battery news. Um, There's some Mm. things going on. There's so many things going on. Queensland's battery program uh, went live on uh, Monday this week. Um, so uh, I, I arrived to work on Monday morning and my inbox was full of campaign messages from a variety of different pe- people in the Queensland market um, getting ready to gear up for that. Um, so, yeah, Queensland's off and running, it would seem. It's fantastic. And look, New South Wales have also announced their own little battery scheme um, as sort of a virtual power plant. So they're called out for tenders. We don't get that much detail of it all. So look, we've got this really good idea to have um, 200 megawatt virtual power plant they're talking about. Now, mm. this actually be pretty crucial in summers going forward because um, it's not going to get any cooler in summer. It's going to get hotter. Um, the existing coal and gas plants do not like that. So solar and demand response and batteries are going to play a key role. So that's another um, indication that the New South Wales government, even if it's a coalition government, kind of realises that the answer in the future is new technology. So that's a welcome sign. It is. And they announced a number of really interesting programs, actually, over the last week. Uh, yeah. We're going to a briefing next week, I think, on uh, on a couple of them. Is that the Emerging um, Renewables one? That's an interesting yeah. one. That's for larger yeah. scale storage. That's um, right. And there's the transmission and, and uh, there's a transmission one. And there's also there's a battery storage one targeted directly at government buildings. 
things that I read about. There's Absolutely. also there's also some stuff that's emerged for um, low low income uh, homes, a project that's out for we, low income homes, which is very welcome too because we keep yep. forgetting about low low income homes. It's not yep. really that difficult. Yep. Um, um, we yeah, we had no. rentals a rentals announcement in New South Wales. Now it's in Victoria. I beg your pardon. Um, that came out last week about uh, support um, following the election, of course, but the support for a rental program when it was only last week that we were talking about rental programs and the fact that we were having lots of conversations about it um, in our office with people visiting us and being interested in that space and off we go. So you you put all this together, it's pretty exciting now, isn't it? Look, it is. It is. And look, even more exciting news, I mean, apart from observing the fact that we now have these sort of VPPs and battery storage incentives in all four major mainland states, mm-hmm. um, in South Australia, they've now announced their second and their third international battery storage maker to set up shop in Adelaide. Oh, that's cool. And so we probably know that um, Sonnen um, were the first to respond to the uh, state, the new state government's version of their own um, virtual power plant or their $200 million proposal to have battery storage installed in 40,000 homes. So mm-hmm. they're setting up shop in the old uh, general uh, GM plant. Mm-hmm. They were followed last week by Alpha ESS, the Chinese battery maker. And then lo and behold, overnight um, this week, Iguana, not Iguana, but Iguana Technologies. I just don't know how the Canadians can spell lizards or not, but Iguana Technologies, they're out of Calgary. And um, they use LG chem cells and they're setting up a manufacturing and assembly plant in South Australia too. So as I did say to the minister's advisor, you're in danger, you're at risk here of creating a whole new industry. (laughs) That's exactly right. And I mean, you know, if nothing else, Attracting an international investor in like that and bringing international companies in, both Chinese and, you know, one from Calgary, that's and, and Sonnen, of course, from Germany. And um, I hear on the grapevine there's a whole lot of uh, people that have come over from Germany within Sonnen to help get things up and running in Australia. And so there are people coming from overseas to build facilities, to set up manufacturing, to set up supply chains, to, to, to build... Um, to build it, and they and and they're coming. They're coming. You know what's the phrase? Build it, and they will come. Well, they're already here. Well, that's right. And and look, that's the message is is that look, it's extremely it, cool. You know, Australia really is at the front line of all of this, and it's very exciting. And everyone's coming here to um, to check out the action. But um, yeah, look, yeah. talking of flat earthers and salt bush, if you actually go across the Nullarbor Plain, you do get to the last century, which is called Western Australia, and um, <laughs> it um, it's it's. It was pretty interesting this week. There was this story out of um, WA Synergy, basically, is, you know, the, the big utility there. It owns generation, it does the retailing, it basically controls the whole show because it's owned by the WA government as well. And um, they were complaining about how rooftop solar, they've now got a gigawatt in Perth, by the way, or in WA, sorry, a gigawatt yep. of uh, rooftop solar. And um, that's sort of pushing the demand down and sort of causing some price dips and some sort of negative pricing as well. They had to take one of their newest gas generators offline because simply because they had to sort of respond to the sort of the fluctuations in both sort of supply um, and demand. And demand, um, yeah. So, um, I mean, demand's been a long-time thing. Now you've got these sort of extra complications with supply. Um, they had, had a bit of a whinge about rooftop solar, but then they sort of kind of checked themselves and they sort of said, well, we're not rowing back. This is inevitable. We've got to deal with it. But it was just interesting. They did take that. It was the Co- Co- Coburn um, gas generator. It's only about seven years old. They basically had to do an upgrade just to make it a bit more flexible, um, which goes to show that really the future is going to be 
There's no arguing with solar and wind because as that Bloomberg study in the even the IEA and Lazard says, it's the cheapest form of bulk generation. So that's going to be producing. you just got to fit everything else around it. And it just shows that flexibility is the key. And this whole idea of having this sort of baseload junk is... Um, just a bit, um, just a bit past crazy, crazy. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I'm with you. I mean, the headlines, you know, um, the headlines shrieked of you know solar causing problems again. But of course, the reality is that demand fluctua- fluctuates all the time, um, and and always has historically. So you know, the fact that a what was a ten year old, I think, um, gas generator was struggling to handle the, the 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 variables that the variation in generation well hang on it's got to handle the vari- variations in demand all the time so you know i don't quite understand why um, they can you know hang all the blame on solar um, it doesn't make sense to me and as you rightly point out this is the nature of what we are now dealing with and by the way it's cheaper and better well, that's right. Yeah, and look, you just simply just got to adapt. I mean, you know, you didn't get the um, you didn't get the landline. We did get the landlines complaining about mobile and stuff like that, or typewriters complaining about the internet. But you just got to move on and adapt mm. your technology. Mm. Now, speaking of adaptation and new technology, um, you've got mm. something here about a three D printer and electric. I thought it was magic mushrooms. It's, not, it's electric mushrooms. Um, <laughs> do tell what's going on. Well, this one was really cool. Um, it, researchers um, overseas have used 3D printing to create a couple of types of electronic um, ink, uh, one containing a bacteria and another containing graphene nanorubins. And what they've done is created a pattern out of 3D ink and literally printed it on the outside of a mushroom, uh, over the cap of the mushroom. And then, of course, what happens with all plants is through photosynthesis, photosynthesis they create some energy in them and for the very first time as far as i'm aware they were able to actually measure that current Um, it was only 65 nanoamps it was tiny but they were actually able to measure and and control the flow of that bioelectricity um, coming out of the mushroom through photosynthesis so it's the, the photosynthesis is the holy grail because you know when we can replicate what nature is doing every single day what every plant does with photosynthesis by converting sunlight into energy it is you know the next level of where we're going to head to so it's um, a, a tiny step forward in um, a really game-changing thing and there's been a lot of talk about bioelectricity and and trying to capture photosynthesis so i thought that was a wonderful story it was a tiny amount of current but that doesn't matter what it shows that the the new technology that we have available particularly through uh, chemical engineering and 3d printing allows us to actually start to do that so really cool story i thought so is this a bit like the hydrogen economy and sort of um small scale nuclear reactors it's sort of technology that's always 30 years away but or is this something that could be uh that's a really good question and my suspicion i don't know for sure but my suspicion is that this type of so we know that 3d printing and and doing really really cool stuff with all sorts of different materials in 3d printing crops you can go to jcar and buy a 3d printer that'll make anything right so doing that um and and combining that with the physics that um, we now have access to in 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 chemistry um, and being able to use different materials to actually uh, capture that energy that doesn't sound like a 30 years away to me that sounds like it's something that we can do quickly and and the beautiful thing is that we're, we're dealing with organics right so it's largely organic 
materials and being able to leapfrog on the back of what's already going on in nature, that is wonderful stuff to hear about. I really hope they get somewhere fast. Well, good for them. That sounds pretty exciting. Um, now, the smartest solar panel in the world, you say. Um, what is this? <laughs> it's, so this is, it says here. Yeah, that's what the headline said. It was one of those funny little stories. You know, you see all these. Um, there's a lot of a lot of companies out there in, in the land of Kickstarter and the various other sort of um, platforms that are crowdfunding and, and trying to get interesting technologies up. And there's some really interesting stories out there. So I watched this space fairly carefully and there was one about a smart wallet that my 14 year old actually put me onto because 14 year olds are all about you know smart stuff and they're all about tech and they're all about um, keeping track of their wallet because they constantly lose it and um, he, he pointed this one out to me and it's a wallet that was sort of there's a few wallets out there that you can get that got like GPS trackers and stuff like that in them but what these guys had done was started out trying to build a nice wallet they started out trying to build some smart GPS tracking tech into it and they went well we need really we need some power in there and they went well, what we really need is a solar panel that can actually work in in really really low uh, light and and in fact indoor light the vast majority of time and indirect indoor light and they got completely waylaid from their task of uh, of creating just a cool wallet um, and actually went off on this path for two or three years helping to develop um, a, a brand new type of PV technology that is optimized for both flexibility, robustness, and operating in incredibly low light conditions. Obviously, it doesn't need to make a whole lot of power because it's only powering a tracker. Um, but um, these guys claim to have one of the smartest solar panels in the world um, because of its ability to work in low light. So, you know, it's funny the way that technology develops soon. That product's um, uh, flying on uh, on one of the crowdfunding campaigns and is is selling like hotcakes. And they, I think they were oversubscribed last time I looked. So cool little cool little gadget out there. But, you know, those kinds of things flow in... Uh, to wider production and indeed I saw another story this morning based on a, a, a slightly different take but it wouldn't surprise me if it was a similar, technolo similar technology where they were actually applying uh, thin films of organic solar onto concrete um, um, panels, uh, cladding for buildings. And um, there's a company um, out of the States, I think it was, who were getting ready to go into production with this, with this material and totally based on organics. So it's not your traditional... Um, you know, cadmium telluride's or um, or amorphous silicons or anything else like that. In fact, they're keeping the organic materials a secret. They're not talking about what they are. But there's a whole there's a whole world of these new um, uh, deposited roll-to-roll -roll film PV t technology starting to come out. Um, in this case, the cladding stuff was six percent efficient, which is about where amorphous thin film was. You know, back in the day, 10, 15 years ago, when yes, that was, we keep, on uh, we keep on forgetting, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was about six or seven percent efficient, and so these guys are there now with an organic material. So mm. there's all sorts of cool stuff going on. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still a bit lost about how we got from sort of wallet to um, the solar PV. Um, it does sound like a shaggy dog story in reverse, but uh... <laughs> I'll send you a photo. It seems <laughs> real. Seems real. <laughs> I was going to invest. You know? Did you? <laughs> no, not yet. I don't need a smart wallet. My 14 year old wants one, but. You know, I'm not there yet. <laughs> now, look, um, Tesla roof tiles and stuff. Um, look, um, before we go to the Tesla roof tiles, are they available in Australia yet? I don't think no. so, are they? No, they're not. And, 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 the and, last Tes time... and Tesla solar panels generally aren't, re aren't available yet, are they? No, no. Um, and from last time I checked, um, the rooftop solar uh, products that Tesla 
uh, are producing won't be coming to Australia for some time. Um, they're targeted on the US, particularly where there is a, a huge market for shingle tile roofs. We don't have much of a shingle tile market here. There's certainly some, but um, uh, so it's, it's it's designed and geared very very much at the uh, at the US market. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great to see a little video actually of the production line. Um, now I have to say, although it looked kind of cool and it had some nice machines and happy looking people and all that kind of stuff, it didn't really it looked a little i'm gonna admit you know i love tesla i love what they're achieving i love the new products that they've got out and the improvements that they're constantly make constantly making and they've got to catch as me to catch rocket bits right so you know really really love them but that video to me um which was supposedly the first inside look inside the um the factory uh looked terribly staged there was a bunch of people just slowly shoving bits of glass onto a conveyor belt and you know dudes pressing buttons on machines it didn't really look like it was an upmarket high-tech uh production line that was in keeping with the full automation Mm. ethos that tesla usually um usually are known for so i'm i'm a little bit skeptical about that one i have to admit um having said that um their press releases and and statements all around that were that they were gearing up so and they're getting ready to go to full production um i think it was late this year or early next year and and i'm starting to ramp it up so let's wait and see but Yes, let's wait and see. Yes, I think there's been a few sort of, um, roof tiles sort of thrown around the place at various points, mostly to Tesla employees' houses, so um, they don't complain quite so loudly when if things do go wrong and there's a few issues to iron out. And that's been mm. their pattern when they've rolled out their various models of electric vehicles as well. And so I guess that's pretty understandable. Um, mm. And battery storage too, if I remember rightly, uh, when the first power walls came to Australia. Um, probably a good point to thank our sponsors, which is um, Solar Analytics and PV Cell from um, Sunwiz. Um, thanks, guys, for on uh, for, for your ongoing support. Um, just to repeat their names again: Solar Analytics and PV Cell. Go and check out their business. Um, good solar, crap solar. What have we got in the um, in um, in the pipeline there? Well. I don't have so much good. I think the mushroom was the best story I've heard in good oh, solar. Oh, we've already done good solar. Tick, we've already tick, done tick good that solar. Box. Tick that yeah, box. Yeah, yeah, yes. but let's jump to crap solar. So as, as is uh, our, our thing each week. Dr- drugs, and, with... drugs and solar panels. Oh, Look, this is real. <laughs> this is real. I... <laughs> so as you know, I have an 11-year-old. He's a Why are you sniffing? Lad. Why are you sniffing that solar panel? <laughs> My 11-year-old said, hey, Dad, come on, Border Patrol's on. You know, it's my favorite show. Let's sit down and watch it for a while. I went, yeah, okay, son, sure. Uh, and lo- blow me down if the second uh, story on the on the New Zealand customs um, squad wasn't um, a solar panel. In fact, three solar panels that had drugs embedded in them. So well, I'm not they- surprised their interest was raised because, I mean, if you're going to import a solar panel into New Zealand, that's pretty suspicious in the first yeah. place. <laughs> Well, come on. There's there's at least eight really enthusiastic solar guys over there. No, no, no. Apologies um, to our Kiwi friends. I do, I, I do know that they... No, they're doing heaps. It's good. It's good. But um, no, it was literally... I mean, it was... For anyone who knows solar panels, you would look, just look at the solar panel. When they pulled it out of the box, they scanned it. It looks suspicious. Um, they pulled it out of the box and immediately anyone who knew what a solar panel really should look like would know that the back should not be fully encased um right to the depth of frame um so you know that looked a bit suspicious but they got their got their screwdrivers out and dug around and um 
uh, blow me down if a whole bunch of ketamine didn't just pour out of the back of the solar panel. And uh, there was a box of three um, that were stoked to the brim with ketamine. So I don't know who was waiting on a shipment of 20-watt panels, but you better go talk to customs because they're tied up. 20-watt panels? I mean, that surely is ancient history, isn't it? No, that would, you know, that would have been for electric fences or, you know, some application of like course, that. So of course, was, yeah. Okay. It was just bizarre that I'd never thought in a million years that, you know, someone would try and smuggle drugs in a shipment of solar panels. But there you go. Well, if there's um, any solar importers and exporters out there listening to this podcast, no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> it's, yeah, the, it's illegal. To New it's Zealand, done. those Kiwis are onto it now. Okay, um, what else have we got? Uh, so that's um, tip number one. Watch out for drugs embedded in your solar panels. Tip number two, another warning from South Australia. Um, it's good that this they're cracking one, down. It's good. It's really, really good that we're starting to see all these governments and all these institutions cracking down on dodging It is, and they're taking a big interest. We're seeing uh, regular statements, and, and there was a, an article in the paper the other day from um, Consumer Affairs down in South Australia saying they've had a spike in complaints. Um, there was some good general advice. They referred to a really um, uh, some really good stuff that's coming out by Choice Magazine. They've got a, done a lot of work on trying to advise punters on how to get um, how to get good solar. Uh, so yeah, they. What was interesting was that although there'd been a spike in complaints, there wasn't actually a huge number. I think the number for the year, the previous year, was like uh, 170 complaints for the year, which, given the size of the market, is actually not too bad. Um, you don't want any, of course, but it's not a huge number relative to the number of systems that have gone in. Um, and what we also, um, what they also talked about was that you know they'd had quite a lot this year relative to last year, so definitely an increase. So you know, the message to consumers was really don't rush, take your time, don't don't um, just grab a bargain because someone's shoved it under your nose. Take your time and purchase carefully. Um, you know, golden rule number one. Good stuff. Now, tile roofs. Mm. Um, I've got a tile roof, but I don't think I've had any problems, touch wood. That's good. It was a piece of wood. There you go. I just banged it three times, four times. <laughs> That's good. Um, tile roofs. Yeah, look, you know, watching the web pages uh, or the, 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 the posts on Facebook um, on the Crap Solar page. Um, reminded me this week that tile roofs are always a problem and there was actually a couple of end users who'd kind of popped up on there and they popped up on a couple of other forums too talking about some of the problems with tile roofs and um, you know again as a message to end users and to to purchasers of solar tile roofs are tricky um, to install solar on much harder than a metal roof a corrugated iron roof Um, there is a a, a little bit of an art to getting the brackets to go underneath the tiles correctly and quite often the tiles have to be ground out so that the bracket doesn't foul them and so they sit nice and flush and so that water can't blow back up in the event of a storm or anything like that. Um, Take it from me um, because, uh, you know, I've actually seen this, just ask my mother-in-law. Um, I thought I, when I did an install for her about 10 years ago that we were going to get away without having to grind it and I was doing it as a, as a love job anyway and I didn't grind the tiles and blow me down, big storm came through, uh, some moisture blew back under and there I was back up on the roof pulling the whole thing off again and grinding the tiles. So, you know, it is not an area that you can shortcut on. Um, we see story after story after story after story of those things happening and quite often you know with these old tile roofs and a lot of the tile roofs that people are installing solar on are often old there's a couple of golden rules one is before you actually go ahead with solar make sure you've got spare 
tiles on site because breakages are almost inevitable, um, especially when they're older and, fr and more fragile. Um, you just can't avoid it. Some are going to get broken. Um, and secondly, if you're a consumer, make sure you talk to your installer about how they're going to make sure that those tiles are seated properly. Um, so um, a good tip for consumers. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, look, let's get on to some electric vehicle news, which we occasionally sort of tack on to the end of this um, podcast. Um, mm. We do have a separate um, EV podcast called The Driven. And for those who haven't actually been on our electric vehicle focus website, thedriven.io, um, please do go have a look. We're actually getting quite a bit of traction there now. We've just gone past 350,000 page views from just the first couple of months. Oh, well done. So um, a lot of interest out there. And... Um, Look, I think it was um, last week or the week um, before, well, since our last podcast together anyway, Nigel, I was up at the Electric Vehicle, um, Australian, Electric, Australian Electric Vehicle Association's annual conference, and um, it was interesting. The, um, the, uh, we, we got a look at the, uh, the Nissan Leaf and the uh, Ionic Kona, and the, um, sorry, the Hyundai Kona and mm -hmm. the Hyundai Ionic. These three electric vehicles um, about to sort of be thrust onto the market over the next um, next couple of months. The Ionic possibly within four weeks. I think they're having a big unveiling in later this month or early next month. The Kona early next year, and then the Nissan Leaf um, in well, it might actually be the middle of the next year by the time the Leaf comes out, and possibly even the Kona too, given the delays and things like that. But. Um, Look, really interesting, and it was actually quite funny talking to a couple of the people there who'd seen the solar industry as well, and they just said, this feels exactly like the solar industry 10 years ago. Yeah. And they're kind of yep. sort of saying, you know, the beast is stirring, um, it's about to go off, and um, and if you look at actually the sort of cost profiles of battery, battery storage and sort of storage for, for cars, of course, I mean, it's sort of the same sort of thing. And you look at all the sort of the predictions for the uptake of electric vehicles, exactly the same sort of curves we saw, we've seen in the, in the solar industry. Um, yeah. Really, really interesting. It is really interesting. And, um, you, you know, on, um, I, I was watching a lot of posts from, from guys from the Electric Vehicle Owners Association um, showing off all sorts of vehicles, homebrews and um, uh, production manufacturers' cars as well, and a lot of tech that was associated with them. It was a, oh, I'm, I was um, really disappointed I couldn't be at that one actually. Um, but one of the one of the most interesting bits of news that came out around that same time was the change of uh, well the the apparent change in a charge plug profiles that a lot of manufacturers are now starting to adopt and this is big news for zero owners of course because like me uh, because we're all, all interested in um, how we can plug in and where we can plug in and what kind of adapter we need to get the power that we want and um, Tesla announced a week or so back uh, that they were going to introduce the new CCS2 type plug, which is a combined DC and AC plug. So um, in simple terms, it offers more versatility. It means you can plug into different types of um, uh, charges depending on what the application is. Um, and and uh, great Australian companies like Tritium, um, their charges come fitted out with a, uh, with a Chadmo DC uh, plug on one side and the CCS2 on the other. So giving some choice and option uh, for DC fast charging in that case. Um, 
Yeah, that's, it's an interesting story, actually. Bryce Gayton from the Electric Vehicle mm. Association, who writes regularly for The Driven, um, yep. has actually tackled that this week. And um, I'm going to say that story has actually gone off. Yeah. So it's a lot, a, of, a lot it, of interest in it. So if you want to find out more, um, Bryce takes you through it in, in, in more detail than we can probably go through here. Yeah, I read that story. It was really cool. And um, so we've, everyone's chasing around now saying, where do I get a CCS plug and where do I get a CCS socket? And the good news is that they're way cheaper than Chadmo. Chadmo had everyone buy the by the short and curly, so they were a very horrendously $2,000 plug, right? It's crazy money. CCS2 um, are a bit more sort of open, um, hmm. it would seem. So good solution. That's pretty, good solution. That's pretty cool. Um, I, yeah. I, I've got to mention too that actually I, um, I, um, my, my lift up to the Electric Vehicle Association's thing in Brisbane uh, from the Byron Hinterland came courtesy of Nick Lake in his, uh, from Energy Lab in his um, converted, oh, the he, yes, the, his bright red VW 1964 VW Beetle and it's now electric. It goes like the clappers. It's unbelievable. Um, in fact, I'm surprised that the actual soldering on the metal can actually sort of hold together. I mean, you're just sort of tearing down the thing. Really? Um, it's just fantastic. And look, he's got great plans. Look, that's our next podcast on The Driven. So The Driven podcast, um, it'll be up this week as well. So go and have a look at that. Um, have a listen to that. Um, we actually do the interview in the vehicle. Oh, fantastic. Um, and we're sort of hurtling along at sort of, you know, at uh, VW red bug speed. <laughs> Or electric not, VW red bug not, speed. Yeah, that's not VW speed. That's not bug speed. He's been working on that for for quite a long time. It's great that he's got that on the road and he's finally uh, oh, finally no, he, tearing around the countryside on it. Absolutely, he, he's really finessed it, and uh, he's already plotting his own his next project. Um, some oh, sort fabulous. of some sort of Porsche that um, James Dean used to drive. So um, oh, beautiful. God, just imagine that's going to be look this conversion thing. Just imagine all these people who've got these beautiful old cars and just going to say, let's make it electric because all of a sudden you've got the same lines, you've got the same look, and yep. then you just get performance like you've never never imagined. Um, oh, look, there is such there is a world of YouTube videos and stories and blogs and everything else about all sorts of amazing and, and particularly old school cars, like vintage old school cars that have been converted, where it's hard to keep those motors running uh, reliably and hard to get the performance level out of them. Everything from Morris Miners to Land Rovers to uh, old Chevys, um, uh, you know, every kind of car you can imagine. And the great thing is now there are amazing kits available to allow you to do that and the prices are coming down and down and down so it's yeah it's really cool in that home build space as well fantastic stuff now um what else we got now you went to so, you went to newcastle ev display what's, what's no that that's coming up that's coming oh. up in fact um um i was just on the phone to my wife and i've got to leave past to go i didn't think i was going to get to go now the v8s are on this weekend in newcastle so it's a, a very old school event but the good old um newcastle council have also um set up a kind of an innovation fair um in in the mall there at newcastle with all sorts of new tech and they've been um traditionally very very um forward thinking around technology and solar and wind and all sorts of good stuff and so there's a bunch of EV owners going up um, and uh, I've got a leave pass to go. So I'm taking Friday off, um, riding up the coast uh, the, the long way with a bunch of buddies on electric bikes and we're going to head up and then we'll put the bikes on display along with a whole lot of um, uh, cars and other electric vehicles in the Hunter Street Mall. Um, they'll be there on Saturday and um, everyone can come along and have a look at all these different electric vehicles and uh, and get a good look at what's going on, and then we we might just take a short route back through the Hunter Valley on uh, on Sunday and take the long way home. Um, but if you happen to be in Newcastle, 
um, do drop by and have a look because it looks like there's going to be a, a fairly large array of vehicles there. Fantastic. Look forward to that, although I won't be there, but um, it sounds pretty interesting. Okay, um, probably about time to wrap up, isn't it? Well, what's, I think um, it's probably time, isn't it? I think it's time. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, Nigel, look, um, fantastic to talk again. Um, we'll be back... Um, um, We'll be back in. A, we'll be back in a fortnight. Back in a fortnight. Yeah. yeah. And look, thanks once again to the sponsors, Solar Analytics and PV Cell. Uh, thanks to all the listeners out there. Do tune into this. Tell your friends about it. Um, check out the Driven podcast as well for more electric vehicle news and that wonderful story about Nick Lake and his electric red VW. And also do check out the Energy Insiders podcast, um, the um, on renew economy with me, David Leach, and uh, various guests. So. Um, all good. Um, we'll leave it there. And uh, thanks, Nigel. And thanks, bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by SunWiz, makers of PV cell software that gives retailers the tools to stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar consultancy. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Thank you.